556 for our, our last one. I'm glad y'all are here. We've had a little bit of natural food. That's just kind of like the appetizer. I'll be praying for Brother Danny. I'll be praying for him all week. I trust you have too. Um, the Lord will just bless him. Over in abundance. Amen. You can, you can thank. Um, and the Lord will be glorified. And we would be edified. And at the end of the day, we would serve our Lord better. So I'm going to invite you. If you feel like standing, we're going to sing 556. Um, I do like to try and go up a quarter step in between verses, and we'll kind of do that last one just a bunch of hallelujahs. Um, all I ask is that you sing to the Lord. Um, if you're if you're shy, He's not going to make fun of you. And neither are we. Um, so just a. Kind of lay aside everything that's been bothering us today. I know we all got stuff. Um, but we're here doing the more needful thing. So let's focus on that as we try and sing Hallelujah to our Lord. Hallelujah. <coughs>
Come back with me. We're going to try and pray. Our merciful Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege to gather here. Father, I pray that you bless Brother Danny now to open up his mind, his clarity of thought, allow his tongue to be loose, that he may boldly proclaim the good news of our Lord and Savior and Master Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for his word. We thank you for uh, the work that he performed. Father, we look forward to hearing more about it. Lord, help us to learn more about you. Help us to grow in grace and love. And Lord, help us to love you more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Make yourself at home. I'm just going to pretend that that's not there. Uh, we don't do that anymore. We're at, and one of the reasons is because I talk about people too much. <laughs> and what I mean by that, I uh, I like to give examples of our lives of of how we can get better, and I and I, and I tell stories and uh, brother John records all of our sermons, and you can ask him how many times I'll say you can post that one. That's not very, not very many. Please pray for us. We uh, appreciate so much the uh, invitation to come be here. Been praying so much for this meeting. I pray that the Holy Ghost will intervene, that they'll be preaching with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Uh, appreciate getting to talk to your pastor this uh, this evening. I haven't got to spend a lot of time with him, but I've always appreciated his good humility and sincereness. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, let's go to 8th chapter of Romans. There's several topics we're going to touch on, but one of them is kind of the focus is unconditional election unconditional election means there's no condition laid upon whenever the Lord elected us whenever the Lord chose us that's what election means it means to choose Amen. some people will say that the way the Lord chose us is he looked down from heaven seen who would do good who would do bad and the ones who did good he chose them the Bible tells us over in Psalms in two different places when the Lord looked down there was none that did good Amen. that they were all together filthy that they were all together undone and uh, one of the points I love to make is one of the places where it says all together is the word A-L-L, a space, then together. And that means all of us together, right? Whenever we died in Adam, we all died together. And then the other word is A-L with the rest of it together, all one word. And that means us all together, the whole man. I'm going to tell you, whenever we died in Adam, all of God's people all of Adam's people yeah. died in sins. And not just part of that individual, the whole person all together. So in order for God, so there is no way, if we were dead, there is no way that God could look down from heaven and see a spiritual alive action that we could do to merit Him to choose us because we were dead. You understand that? We were dead and trespassing in sins. We were all bankrupt. And I'm going to tell you, that should affect our lives. Whenever we understand that we were all bankrupt, because that means that God showed favor to us and we deserve no favor. That's right. Brothers and sisters, over in Hebrews 13, it says, For it is a good thing for the heart to be established with grace. The reason it's a good thing for you, it is a good thing for you to understand that you deserved hell and God delivered you from that. Because the Bible tells us to act like Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm going to tell you, 
You can, you can listen and watch people and tell what they believe. And, and, and sometimes I don't act like I believe. And what I mean by that, I want to tell you, I should be as gracie as Noah was Arky. I, I, mean, I mean, grace should just spew out of my lips. Because I know what I deserve. I deserve hell. I deserve eternal torment. And so I should be so gracious to other people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, what we believe should just exude out of us. I'm going to tell you, every time we see somebody doing something, and we want to make fun of them, we want to pick on them, we want to show people how much lesser they are, they are than us, we should remember that the Lord didn't do that to us. The Lord didn't give us our just merits. He didn't give us what we deserve. I'm going to tell you, we need grace, do we not? I need grace to live with my wife. She needs grace to live with me. And I didn't mean to put me first, but I'm just saying. <laughs> the church that I pastor, they need grace to, for me to pastor them. I need grace to be their pastor. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, if you want the law, we can't have a church. We can't. David says it like this. He says, Lord, if you mark iniquities, who shall stand? What that means is, I tell you, I've done it. I'm pretty sure y'all have done it. We've all done it. But it's easier to say they've done it, right? Yeah. It's easier for us to say they've done it. But let's talk about they for a minute because I don't want to get too real with you. Y'all don't know me that well. <laughs> but they walk around with a pen and pad. Oh, he, he said a slang word. That's just like cuss. Horrible person. He's a sinner. Oh, he, he didn't mean that. That's marking iniquities. You know what David says? Lord, if you mark iniquities, who shall stand? You know what the answer to that is? Nothing. You know who the only you know who the only being who ever had the right to mark iniquities is? The one who didn't towards us. God Almighty. Brothers and sisters, if he's not marking iniquities towards his children, we should not be marking iniquities towards each other. I'm gonna tell you that's the only way this church will ever function is if you look at your brothers and sisters in Christ the same way that God looks at you through the blood of Jesus Christ. We need forgiveness, brothers and sisters. I'm going to tell you, if the church that I pastor, if they had a grudge against me, every everything that, that I said wrong, or, or, or every time I forgot to call somebody, or, or just whatever, you know what? We would have no fellowship. Amen. There would be an alt there. In the same way, if every time somebody hurt my feelings in the church, if they didn't tell me how great my ribs were, Brother John, you know, <laughs> Brother John does not eat meat, and he'll come up to me and say, those ribs were great. And, and I say, Brother John. And he said, Brother Darren said they were. I know they were. They were great. <laughs> okay, Brother, says, we got to have grace. we got to. Unconditional election means there was not a condition laid upon us whenever the Lord saved us. He, that's a beautiful thing about grace. Brothers, he just—he said that, that Danny is going to go to hell if I don't intervene. And I love him. Even though <laughs> based upon merit, he's unlovable. I love him. I love him. And he chose me. And He chose each and every one of you. Go me over to Romans 8.29. Uh, 29 verse, it says, For whom He did foreknow. What is it talking about with the for whom? 
the halfway through the 28th verse says, to them who are the called according to his person, according to his purpose. The whom there are the called, the whom there are his chosen. For whom he did foreknow. You see, a lot of people have a misunderstanding about the foreknowledge of God whenever it comes to election. Some reason people think the foreknowledge of God in election is what I just told you that God looking down from heaven and He's seeing what you're going to do, and that's the ones that He chose. Brothers and sisters, the foreknowledge of God is not God knowing about what's going to happen. That's not the way the Bible teaches the foreknowledge of God. If that was the way that the Bible teaches the foreknowledge of God, listen to this. For whom He did foreknow, them He also did predestinate. Well, in God's knowing everything, if, you, if that is what you want to define as the foreknowledge of God, God knowing everything that was going to happen and everybody that was going to happen before the world existed, then that would mean God knows everybody, right? And if you're going to apply that definition to foreknow here, then you're going to say God predestinated everybody. But I'm going to tell you, you know what foreknow means here? Do you remember the phrase where in the Bible where it says, and Adam knew his wife? Brothers it's an intimate love. He knew who he loved before the foundation of the world. That foreknow is the same as saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Whom he did for love. Whom that he loved before you even existed. Look what it says here. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. By the way, it didn't say for what he did foreknow. It says for whom he did foreknow. I'm going to tell you people who believe that God predestinated me to do this right here. Where do you find that in the Bible? Please show it to me. Because I'm going to tell you the predestination that I read about is the Lord predestinating us to be conformed to the image of His Son. You know what predestination means? It, to, it means to predetermine a destiny. The Lord predetermined that everyone that He loved before the foundation of the world was going to be like Jesus at the end. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Are y'all sinners? Yes. Are y'all like Romans 8 where it says we groan and travail waiting for the adoption to wit? Do you get tired of messing up? Do you get tired of being depressed because you're like Paul that says even when I do good, evil is present with me? Do you get tired of like... like like I, it is so funny being married. <laughs> it, it, it is. It's like a different spiritual warfare. <laughs> and what I mean about that is, <laughs> y'all, y'all know the spiritual warfare that we have in here, right? Like I'm going to do good. I'm going to do good. I'm going to go. <laughs> no good. I'm like I'm going to be a nicer husband. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to do this. Going to do that. And then she does something, and I'm like. I forget what I just said. I, I'm, I'm tired of hurting her feelings. I'm tired of letting my Lord down. I know ultimately I don't let Him down, but I'm tired of sinning. I'm tired of Him frowning at my actions. I'm tired of letting sin consume me so much. I'm tired of failing diets. I'm tired of not being perfect. I tell you, there's a long salt home I can't wait to be at one day. And the reason we're going to be there is before there was dust on a hilltop, 
The Lord predetermined that you and I were going to be like Jesus in heaven one day. That He might be the firstborn among many brethren. He came out of the grave, we're going to come out of the grave. I pray that He comes back before I hit the grave. People talking about, well, I want to have kids or I want to have grandchildren. I trust that they're grand. I'll just take your word for it. I just want to go to heaven. I'm ready for paradise. Moreover, whom... Listen again. Moreover, whom? Not what? Whom? People. Moreover, whom He did predestinate. Brothers and sisters, you know what I love about the Bible? People... Look, people misunderstand me whenever I say this. They think I'm putting down people who are intellectual, putting down people who who study other writers. I just want you to know, you ain't got to study other writers to be a preacher. Okay? You don't have to have a PhD to be a preacher. You know what you got to have to be a preacher? A calling from God. And I'm going to tell you, and then you apply yourself and you study the Word of God. Don't, don't, Don't run to Gil and Spur. You run to Jesus. I'm going to tell you, I, 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 and I'm not saying you're a bad person when there's up here. I'm talking about to be a preacher. That's the qualifications. And I love the simplicity which is in Christ Jesus for whom He did foreknow. Well, then you got to be told to misunderstand that. <laughs> Where do you get that He predestinated the what when it says for whom? you got to go to another Scripture besides this. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. Brothers and sisters, a lot of people get hung up on this. They get confused on this. I want you to understand, the same five things is going to happen to every child of God. People like to say, people like to put like limits on, on, on or, or parameters on what every child of God is going to do. Whenever you start putting parameters on what a child of God is going to do here in this life, you have just got rid of unconditional election and you just started believing conditional election. Five things are going to happen to every child of God. They're going to be foreknown by God, which we already are. They're going to be predetermined a destiny by God and that's to heaven. You got that? Which we already been. Everyone is going to be called by God. Not by a preacher, but by God. I want you to get this too. It said, for whom He did foreknow... He also predestinated. Whom He did predestinate? Brother Danny also called. Billy Graham called. John McGarn? No, He, God called. The same one before the world existed that said, I love them and I'm going to give my son for them and they're going to live with me in heaven is the same one that calls us out of death to life. Zacchaeus didn't call John the Baptist in his mother's womb. The Lord said live and John the Baptist lived. I'm going to tell you, if you say the gospel has to be responsible for calling somebody out of death and sins to alive in Christ, then you just condemn Solomon and Moses and Abraham and, and everybody before Jesus. You get that? Because the same five things are going to happen to all of God's people. They're foreknown, they're predestinated, they're called, they're justified, and ultimately whenever we get to heaven, we're going to be glorified. 
That's all he says here. If you put anything, I mean, if you put baptism, you put belief, you put anything else in there, you're adding to the Scriptures of God. Now, I'm going to tell you, I love belief. That's the reason I'm here. I need belief. You know what belief does? It shows me I'm not going to hell. I'm going to tell you, there was a time where I believed that the way that you went to heaven is by working your way to heaven, and I was depressed. I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, I was in despair. I was miserable. And then I heard salvation by grace preached and grace alone. And I'm going to tell you, ever since that day, I hadn't been miserable anymore. People want to call me a Pentabaptist. How about I can't just be a happy Baptist, you know? I'm going to tell you, I'm intimate with my sins. I know where they were carrying me. And I know what God did with them. He put them as far away as the east is from the west. I'm happy about that. People pick on my wife. They say, oh, that little, my, my, my little Pentecostal printed Baptist sister. I know what they're doing. They, they, they're saying she's got a little more joy than what other people express. But no, why can't, why do we got to be a different denomination to have joy? What would happen? I seen a brother, and I'm not picking on you. I'm not going to say his name on the stereo here. I seen a brother come in. You could tell he worked hard today. He worked hard. I, I looked at Brother John and said, that, that, that brother worked hard. He said, that, that brother works hard every day. I bet he'd appreciate somebody come to his little public clearinghouse guy come to his doorstep said, here's $10 million. <laughs> you think there'd be some shouting going on? It'd be at my house. I mean, it would. It'd be a lot of shouting. I think every one of y'all's houses it would too. Brothers and sisters, that money's going to perish one day. Amen. That money's going to burn up with this earth and the things that we buy with it, moths eat it, rust corrupt it. It's vanity. And it's never going to satisfy you. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm here to tell you this evening if you believe that there's a God in heaven, if you believe that there's a Savior named Jesus coming back to get you one day, oh, brothers and sisters, you'll never perish. I'm going to tell you, I'm not saying you're going there because you believe, but your belief is a very evidence that you have everlasting life. If you're going to shout about a tem temporary wealth, I'm not telling you you got to shout. I'm just saying don't look down at people who do shout. If you got to if you're going to shout about a temporary wealth, how about our eternal wealth? How many people shouted whenever Georgia won the second straight national title? I seen some folks shout. I, look, look, I, I even did a little woohoo. Okay, I like it when folks I like are happy. Huh? <laughs> now, whenever the now my my mama. My mama, the only time she'll shout is whenever she got a catfish on her rod. And I'm going to tell you, I'm from Louisiana. Whenever the Saints won the Super Bowl, she was, woo, 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 woo. We're going to heaven. Amen. We're going to heaven. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this old, this old vanity, this old veil, this old sin. Oh, I love that song, Come Thou Fountain. There's a verse that's not in this book, and I didn't even know it existed because this is the book I always used until I moved to Arkansas. In pastor church up there, it says, Oh, that day when freed from sinning, 
There's two things that I can't wait to see. Number one is Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, I've seen Him here and it tasted good. And I felt good and He's lifted me above my shadows. I'm going to tell you the second thing that I can't wait to see, myself without sin. And that's going to make Jesus more beautiful to me. Because it's not going to be clouded in this old veil. Glory is going to get to see glory. And I'm going to be in the image of my Savior. I'll tell you what, if that don't make you want to shout. <laughs> and you can shout here, you can shout here. I'm just saying, brothers and sisters, if we believe in a lively hope, let's act like it. If we, if, I mean, we, if, if a man penned a song called Amazing Grace, let's sing like it's amazing. As, as the brother said at our meeting last week, whenever we sing, How happy is every child of grace? Let's act happy. <laughs> You know, I mean, we whenever we sing that song, we shouldn't be saying, you know, how happy is every child of grace? And then somebody be like, are they happy? I don't know. Let's find out. You know? <laughs> Very happy. We're happy. Well, look what it says here. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And that's the Lord. And, and, and y'all know the scriptures better than I do. And, and, and coming here, I'm like, this is an old Baptist sermon if there's ever been an old Baptist sermon. But it's what's laid on my heart. I would love to preach to you about the Song of Solomon I, uh, uh, and the beautiful pictures in there, but this is on my heart. I hope it's good to you. But look what it says here. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. The Bible says over in John 5 and 25, it says, The hour is coming and now is when the dead, the dead in trespasses and sins, shall hear the voice of the Son of God. Brothers and sisters, the voice, not the Word, not the preacher, the voice of the Son of God. And they that hear shall live. And I'm going to tell you, anybody who thinks that that's the gospel preached, anybody who thinks that that's a preacher, then you're really going to have to explain verse 29 to me. Because verse 29 says the same voice that calls you from being dead in trespasses and sins to alive in Christ is the same voice that's going to get you out of the grave at the last day. Brothers, do not taint regeneration to me. You know what regeneration means? It means God the Father Himself looked at you, Brother David, and said, Come forth! Every one of you who is looking to see Jesus tonight, who came here begging the Lord just to give us something, do you just feel so bankrupt sometimes for where you just go to church and be like, Lord, I don't even know what you can give me. Just give me something. Every one of you came here looking for something. You've heard Him say, come forth. And I'm going to tell you, and if you believe in Jesus Christ, you know what the Lord says? He says, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't reveal that to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. You know what that means? If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, God the Father said, Here, I want you to see something. And He showed it to you. You say, why is that such a big deal? God cares enough about me to show me that His Son died for me. I remember being in third grade. I, I had this teacher that I loved. She had, she, well, she had red hair and freckles. <laughs> Miss Farah. She's like eighty now. So I mean, <laughs> my wife's in her thirties. So big difference. But Miss Farah, I remember asking a question. I said, Miss Farah, I don't, I don't understand this. And she would come down from the head of the class. She'd come down. And she'd wrap her arm around me. And she would reveal it to me. She'd show it to me, Brother Jonathan. 
I'm going to tell you, everybody who believes in Christ Jesus is because the Father came down from heaven and He showed it to you. That's what Jesus said. You're a blessed individual. We are so blessed. That's not the calling, by the way. But the calling is whenever He says, come forth whenever you're dead. And you come forth. You're alive in Christ. You come from being dead to alive. That's the quickening. And you hath He quickened who were dead and trespasses. By the way, He hath quickened. All this is G. All this is God. God foreknew you. God predestinated you. God called you. Man, that's special. Thirtieth verse. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. Brothers, it's so important for us rightly divide the word of truth. The Bible says we're saved by believing. The Bible says we're saved by keeping in memory. The Bible says we're saved by walking. The Bible says we're saved by baptism. What does the word saved mean? It means delivered. Am I delivered? The Bible says we're saved by hope. Am I am, am I saved by hope? Yeah, you know, hope uh, saved means it means delivered. What does my hope deliver me from? Misery. What does First Corinthians fifteen nineteen say? If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we what? All men, All men most miserable. I'm gonna tell you if you have hope, you're saved. But I'm gonna tell you also, whenever you use your hope, you're saved from misery. Amen. You you get what I'm saying? Doesn't save you to heaven, but it saves you from misery. I'm going to tell you, we have to rightly divide the word of truth. I mean, there, there's so many. It says that a woman is saved in childbearing. Does that mean if she, if, a, if my wife never is blessed to have children, that she's not going to go to heaven? No. No, they're saying that a little, a born again child of God, whenever she has a child, if she's trying to serve the Lord. I'm going to tell you, she's going to change some things in her life to be a better example to her children. I'm going to tell you, me being born saved my mama from smoking. It saved my mama from watching soap operas. She still was going to go to heaven anyway. But she was saved in childbearing. Same thing with the word justified. It says, for whom he didn't call, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. You know what the word justified means? It means to declare righteous. It does not mean to make righteous. You're going to have a real problem if you're a grace believer and you think the word justified means to make righteous. You know why? Because the Bible says that we're justified by works. And that's true, we are. But the word justified means declared righteous. Whenever you and I follow the Lord and we strive to do the right thing and we love people and we show forbearance and kindness, you know what? Who are we justified? Who are we declared righteous to? We're declared righteous to our neighbors. You know what it says about uh, Abraham? It says he was the friend of God. Brothers, this is the reason I'm bringing this up because it says, and whom, he also, and whom he called them he also justified. There's three different distinct justifications in the Bible. Well, really, there's five, but I'm going to talk about three, the main ones. One's self-justification. We're not going to talk about that one. 
But one's by the blood, one's by faith, and one is by works. I'm going to tell you if, you, if you don't understand that the word justified means to declare righteous, then you're going to be as confused as a termite and a yo-yo whenever you read the Scriptures. And have you ever thought, I love, the reason I love that saying, have you, I mean, my, my wife said, how did termite get in a yo-yo? I said, they used to be wooden. <laughs> oh, they wasn't used. So, so we had a conversation with somebody. So they used to be wooden. But, oh, it was you. So, <laughs> and you think about that poor little termite. That was just eat, having him a nice little lunch on that yo-yo, and somebody started going up and down with it, and he's confused. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, we are declared righteous in the sight of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, whether you hear the gospel or not, you're still declared righteous in the sight of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you, when you're born again little soul who feels it to be a sinner and sees that you deserve hell and understands that you can't fulfill the law of a righteous God and you think that there is no hope for you and whenever you believe that Jesus died for you, you know what you are? You are declared righteous by faith in your mind. And for the first time in your life, you see that you were made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ and you realize even though you deserve hell, you're going to be in heaven one day. Amen. And that's what happens whenever a little child of God hears and believes the gospel. And then whenever you hear and believe the gospel and you try to follow the gospel, hopefully people can see Christ in you and they'll say, that's the friend of God. They'll say, you know what? I don't believe what they believe. But I believe it. They believe it. <laughs> you, you'll see people doing that. I've had people attack me at work, try to get me fired. And then whenever their mama gets cancer, who, who, who do they come to? I've had it happen over and over and over again. And I, I could be self-righteous and be like, no. Nah. But I don't know. The Lord opened the door. Lord, open the door and you pray with them and you forgive them because the Lord forgave you. But the justification that's being talked about here is being justified by the blood. Know why? Look what it says here. And whom He called, them He also justified. Who justified? God justified us by the blood of Jesus Christ. And them He just, and whom He justified them he also glorified. What does that mean? Psalm, sweet, beautiful, perfect day. Oh, brothers and sisters, just think about it. Paul says, comfort ye one another with these words. There's coming a day, brothers and sisters. I can't wait. I hope I'm at a great... Some people say, oh, I hope I'm preaching or whatever like that. I, really, I, I just hope it's tomorrow. <laughs> I say, I wish it's tomorrow. I wish it's right now. Because I'm a farewell, vain world, I'm going home. But I'm going to tell you what, brothers and sisters. Whenever there comes, whenever the Lord comes back and He gives out that shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and He says, Come forth. Or whatever He says, where He calls us by our name, whatever He says in that shout, and we come forth. Oh, brothers and sisters, can you imagine that? Oh, whenever, if you were at a graveyard, and I don't, it wouldn't be very long, but you start seeing people pop out of the grave. Oh my goodness, a glorified body coming out of the grave. 
And then they go and meet their soul and spirit and they go and be with the Lord in the air forever. Or either you're just, you're, you're just waking up one morning and you're about to make your coffee and all of a sudden the very next twinkling of the eye you see yourself caught up in the air and you understand that you're now glorified and you feel a glory and a presence that you've been longing for your whole life. And you go and you meet your Lord in the air. And you're satisfied for the very first time in your feeble existence. And for the very first time that you've ever existed, you don't want anything. You're satisfied. I want to tell you. And you know why all that happened? For whom He did foreknow. For love. You know why I believe in unconditional election? Because I believe in the everlasting love of God. The Bible says over in Jeremiah 31 and 3. I, I didn't wear my watch today. I'm about to wrap it up. He says, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Brothers and sisters, if he loved you before you made the mistake, he loved you after you made the mistake. Amen? Amen. It's everlasting. If he loved you before you believed, he loved you after you believed. It's everlasting. I'm going to tell you, it has to be unconditional. It's everlasting. There is nothing that can separate a little child of God from the love of God because we're in Christ Jesus. And then i got to say this, because I'm going to tell you, I am a football fan. I'm not as big a football fan as I used to be. But uh, I was watching the Super Bowl one time, and uh, so, uh, one of the teams had won a Super Bowl and they stuck a microphone in the football player's face. And I, and I think he meant well by it. I do. Uh, but I don't think he understood what he was saying. They, they said, Ray, how did this happen? He said, let me tell you something. If God be for you, who can be against you? What? <laughs> what? You just misapplied that text. <laughs> I mean, and he was excited and he believed it. He was sincere. He was sincerely wrong. Because you know what he just said without him realizing it? God wasn't for all those other folks. You know what that text means? Look, look, look what it says here. 30th verse. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Then look what it says. 31st verse. What shall we then say to these things? What things? Foreknowing, predestination, calling, justifying, being glorified, those eternal things. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You know what that means? Brothers and sisters, that gets rid of this conditional salvation thing. Of people saying, if, if, Lord wants you in heaven, but if you don't do this, you're not going to make it. You know what that verse says? If He wants you there, you made it! You know why? Because I'll you, echo what Brother Ray said, but I'll put it in context. If God be for you, who can be against you? I love you and God bless you. Certainly thankful to be here once again. I do appreciate y'all's invitation to come here. Uh, appreciate the outpouring of the Spirit last night. I feel like the Lord had mercy on us. Uh, 
Did y'all feel the Holy Ghost last night? I, I did. You know what? I, I felt Him as we were eating supper. I felt Him during the song service last night. I trust I felt Him during the song service this morning. I, I really appreciate Brother Elliot standing up and leading song service. I, I tell you, I'm an introvert by nature. I'm very timid. Um, I view myself in a lot of ways like Moses in that regard. Um, so to see a young man his age standing up and leading song service, especially... <laughs> in front of a video camera that, that <laughs> he might not have thought about that but that frightens me you know uh i don't i you know i don't like look it, if this church was full of a bunch of me's there would be nobody sitting right there <laughs> everybody would be sitting over here um but uh, i do appreciate his uh, humbleness to do that uh but I, I did feel the lord last night in 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 the whole service you know service is just not Preaching, which preaching is so important, it's the power of God. Amen. That word power comes from the Greek word dynamos. You know, it blows things up. You know, that's where we get the word dynamite from. And I'm going to tell you, I've seen the preaching of the gospel. I've seen it break down racial walls. You know, I've seen it break down family walls. I, I, I've seen it break, you know, because we form these little cliques, don't we? We, we, we form these barriers. And I, I've seen the preaching of the gospel just break down those things, and, 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 and I love it. But... But I'm going to tell you what, coming and singing praise unto God, that's worship as well. And uh, I felt him through that. And, and I say all that to say this. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalms 40. Uh, it says, I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. I'm going to tell you if, you, if you felt the Spirit last night, y'all know what that is? That's God. And when the Lord blesses with His Holy Ghost, it's, it, it, you know, I, I've, I've been in places before where I felt the Holy Ghost and nobody else did. And I've been in places before where other people felt the Holy Ghost and I didn't. But I'm trying to tell you, when the Lord blesses you with the Holy Ghost, it's just not like, oh, boom, just, you know, He's just like, <laughs> as my grandma used to cook fried fish, you take a big old uh, ladle and dip in the lard and just go, you know, and, and, and it just splatters in the pan. That, that's not how it is. I'm, t- I'm going to tell you, the Lord comes down from heaven. And, and, and if you felt the Lord last night, Brother Elliot, is the Lord came to you. And He dwelt with you and surrounded you. And everybody who felt the Lord, the Lord personally came to you. Isn't that amazing? That the God of creation, the God of everything thinks about me. I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. I'm going to tell you, have you ever felt Him in prayer? That's the Lord thinking about you. I'm going to tell you, i got the Holy Ghost goosebumps right now. Do you you all know what that is? That's the Lord entering and... And you fill him in around you. That, that's the Lord thinking upon you. I'm gonna tell you, I don't, I don't like this, this unpersonal Jesus that we think about sometimes. I'm gonna tell you, I, we are the only people who believe in a personal Savior. Yeah. He personally, I don't, I just don't believe in a personal. Savior. I believe in a personal Holy Ghost. I believe in a personal Comforter who comes to you personally, individually, particularly. I don't like the word limited atonement. Okay. It, it, and by the way, John Calvin, he was a pedo Baptist. He believed in infant <laughs> baptism, okay? Don't make him your God. He persecuted Baptist. Okay? Don't, don't make him your God. The, in my opinion, it should be the Tupip. Particular redemption, special atonement, Tusip. You, I mean, do you, you understand what I'm saying? We, we, we marry terminology sometimes. I don't like the word limited atonement because there ain't nothing limited about the grace of my God. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? 
The, the, the atonement was effectual for everybody it was supposed to be effectual for. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I don't worship a man. I don't, I don't, I don't worship a name primitive Baptist. The reason I'm a primitive Baptist is because that's the people who preach the truth. And I'm going to tell you, if all the other primitive Baptists go off and preach something else, I'm not going to be a primitive Baptist anymore. But I'm going to hold to my doctrine that, I'll be, that, that that's the Lord's doctrine. I'm going to tell you, don't, don't get married to acronyms and get married to, to labels, brothers and sisters. Let's get married to the truth of God. Amen. Amen. I was reading your articles of faith this morning on the way over here. And uh, number six, we believe in the direct, immediate, sovereign, irresistible, and in all cases, the effectual work of the Holy Spirit in calling, regenerating, and sanctifying the elect of God. Amen. Amen. That's your articles of faith. By the way, if you're a member of this church, you need to know your articles of faith. That's right. Whenever you join a church, you need to agree with those articles of faith. You have no idea how many people I've talked to who are members of certain churches, and they have no idea what their articles of faith say. I say, you don't know what y'all believe? I'm not picking on them. We just live in a society where truth doesn't mean nothing anymore. You know what? Because we don't have to suffer nothing for it. We do suffer for it, but not like people used to. <laughs> and then it goes on to say this. The work of regeneration is an instantaneous. That means instantaneous. You know why it's instantaneous? Because it's done by God. It ain't done by me believing. It ain't done by a preacher getting it to me. It's done by God saying live and you live. Instantaneous and internal. Right here. Internal work. And is accomplished by the work of the Spirit of God on the spirit of the sinner. Not on the intellectual of the sinner, but on the Spirit of God. That's the way John the Baptist was able to be born again in his mother's womb. That's the way every little child of God that is, and, and, and I'll, I'll turn it like this every little child of God that has ever died in embassy, the way that they go to heaven is because the Lord spoke it in their heart. The way that somebody who, who, who has not the cognitive ability to understand something intellectual, the way that they are born again is the same way that you and I are born again by the instantaneous speaking of the Lord, the voice of God saying, live and you live. Brothers and sisters, the five things that happen to a child of God happens to us all. And you can't lay any other condition on that because those five things are done by God. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Verse 1. If you don't know what a word means in the Bible, look it up. Get you a good old Webster 1828 dictionary and look it up. And you hath he quickened. The word quickened there means to make alive. And you hath he quickened who were dead. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you, and we, 
We need to preach this just not because we're coming to practice, just because it's the truth. I'm going to tell you, I remember whenever I first came, started going to church, and I would go to work, and, and there would be down. I worked at a prison. We worked 12-hour shifts, and, and I worked night shifts. There would be downtime. Some people would bring, bring their, their, their magazines. Other people bring their cards. I brought my Bible, okay? And I'm going to tell you, I was a little ashamed of it. I'd, I'd hide it in a newspaper. <laughs> I wasn't there yet. The Lord just touched me. I was a babe in Christ. I wasn't there yet. I was ashamed. Pretty soon it got to where I'd hold it out. You know why? Because people see me reading it. It was no need of me trying to hide it when I brought it in because they knew I was going to be reading it. I'm going to tell you, the more, the, the more you follow the Lord, the more that will strengthen you at times and help you be bolder in your faith. And I want to tell you, you, you know, when, you know when, 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 when Peter denied the Lord? Whenever he followed the Lord to fall off. When he was right next to the Lord, he said, Lord, I'll go to the death with you. I believe him. Because whenever uh, there were some guards to come to captive the Lord, Peter pulled out his sword and he was ready to go to battle. But I'm going to tell you, whenever he started following the Lord afar off, it was easier to know the Lord. Don't think just because you're up close to the Lord today that that means tomorrow you're going to uh, uh, be the same bonus. You've got to keep striving to be next to the Lord to help us be bolder in our faith. But, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And I remember this man that I worked with, he came to me. He said, you believe that thing you're reading? I said, yeah. He said, okay, tell me this then. He said, God told Adam in the day that he eateth thereof, he shall surely die. He says, he didn't die till years and years and years later. You still believe in that thing? I didn't have an answer. I just started reading it like four months ago. You know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have, look, I didn't start reading the Bible until I was 21 and a half years old. You know, I wasn't raised up, taught it like some folks. I didn't have an answer for that. I'm going to tell you, and then I've heard some people say, well, that's whenever he started to begin to die, the death process. No, I want you to understand the very moment that he partook of that uh, fruit that he was commanded not to eat. He died in trespasses and sins right then. He died. See, what I didn't understand that there was another death under consideration besides graveyard dead. He died. The Lord did not lie. The day that he ate thereof, he died right then. And I want you all to think about this too. This should make the the, the fathers and the husbands here. I'm going to tell you, sometimes people think, uh, 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 single people think about getting married, they're just like, oh, you know, they just think about all the benefits of it, you know, and they don't think about the responsibility of it. There's a responsibility to be in the head. You realize that Eve partook of that fruit before Adam did and nobody's eyes were opened? But I'm going to tell you, whenever the head of her household partook of that fruit, both their eyes were opened. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't say by one woman's disobedience many were made sinners. I'm going to tell you, and talking about being married and stuff, watch what confessions of faith you're married to. Uh, 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 there, there's a confession by the name of a city that people like to hold to and put up as it's, it's the Word of God. It says by the disobedience of our parents, of our first parents, we were made sinners. Brothers and sisters, 
If you're really married to the Word of God, you be you call that out as bogus, as as bonkers, as wrong. Yeah. See, I'm not married to a confession. I'm not married to an article of faith. I'm married to the Bible. But we died. We all died. Adam died in sin from the moment of his transgression. And I'm going to tell you, us husbands, us fathers, we need to realize the book stops with us. Don't blame it on your wife. Don't blame it on your kids. Sometimes you just got to stand up and be the man. Oh, they're not going to like you for a little while. You're commanded to be their friend. Sometimes as a pastor, you, they're not going to like you. I'm going to tell you, I'm commanded to be the folks at Irwinville. I'm not commanded to be their friend. I'm commanded to be their pastor, their shepherd, their under-shepherd. Try to be an example. I'm going to tell you, sometimes I don't like myself, much less somebody liking me. You know? And it says, And you have the quickened who were dead and trespassed and sins. Where in the times past you walked according to the course of this world. We're going to speed through this. According to the prince of the power of the air. I want to get to the 10th verse. The spirit that now worketh in children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. And the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. What this is saying. Everybody at one time was dead in trespasses and sins. That, that, that's what you need to understand. And, and last night I, I, I quoted at... Uh, uh, Psalm 14 and uh, I believe it's Psalm 53 and you need to go read them it tells us that 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 we all together became filthy became undone and I talked about the two all togethers there and I'll just paraphrase here uh, when, when, when you rightly divide both of them it means that we all together in Adam fell and, and, and then and then it also means all together from head to toe we were undone. All that teaches us is there's not a little good in everybody. I'm going to tell you, we are by nature the children of wrath even as others. There's no goodness in us. Before the Lord speaks life into you, there is no goodness. There is. I'm going to tell you, there, there's not an ounce of spiritual life in you. People talk about, get you some faith. Where are you going to go get it? Walmart? <laughs> Hey, it's given to you from the Lord. Amen. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, but God, I love that. But God, I'm going to tell you, He talks really bad about us, but then it says, but God. <laughs> but God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love, worth He loved us, even when we were dead, even whenever we had no spiritual life, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. I want you to know, if you love the Lord, if you love people, I'm not talking about if, 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 your grandma, if looking at a picture of your grandma gives you nostalgia. If you really want to help people uh, at the cost of yourself, that's what love is. I'm going to tell you, you're a child of God. You've been quickened. You've been given life. And that means Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And He has raised us up to sit and made us sit together in heavenly place. That means positionally, we are all sitting in heaven with Christ right now. I didn't get to this last night. I kind of preached a little fast and I 
told my wife I let a lot of loose stuff hang out there. But I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, I want you to understand, one of the most beautiful things to me in Matthew 25 when it talks about when the Lord comes back and He's going to put the, put the goats on the left hand and His sheep on the right hand and He talks to the goats. And you know what? When He talks to the goats, He don't say one good thing that they ever done. You know why? Because a goat is a non-elect. A goat will never be regenerated. And the only way you can ever do a good work is if you got the Spirit of God within you. I'm going to tell you, if you ain't elect, if you don't have the Spirit of God, then you can't do a good work. That's why he didn't mention one good thing they did. All he mentioned was bad. I'm going to tell you, but you know, whenever he looked at the sheep, he didn't mention one bad thing they ever did. Why is that? Because he was looking at them through the blood of Jesus Christ. The only way that you and I can get along with each other is if we look at each other through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, I see the sincerity of your pastor. I see his humility. I know that he's a child of God. And I'm able to look at him through the blood of Jesus Christ. I seen y'all last night rejoicing about me telling you that in of yourselves you are nothing, but we have a great God who saved our sorry tales and y'all are like, yay! I'm going to tell you, because of what I've seen, I'm able to understand that Jesus died for you. And whenever you do something that hurts my feelings, I need to look at you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. One of our problems is we hang on to whenever we see somebody's flesh come out instead of whenever we see somebody's spirit come out. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you, I need to... look. You're a human being. I know you got the flesh. <laughs> I'm gonna get, we'll preach total depravity all day, how we're a bunch of sorry sinners, and even after we're regenerated, even after we're regenerated, we still uh, got this old flesh, this old dead body uh, that, that, that Paul talks about. I try to do right, but I can't find how to do it. And, and we'll preach about that all day. Then when somebody does something that's sinful, we'll be like, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> Can you believe they hurt my feelings? Well, were they breathing? Yeah, I can believe it. I'm going to tell you, I'm tired of nitpicking. Tired of it. I'm tired of looking at other people's faults and then getting home and the Lord send Nathan the prophet to me and say, Thou art the man. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of saying things that tear down my brethren instead of building them up. <sighs> that in the ages to come, seventh verse, he might shew the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved. You know what grace means? I don't think. Sometimes somebody asks me, will we believe one on one? And and I can you know they'll ask me the difference and be one on one and and a lot of times I, I'm able to answer that real easy. We believe salvation totally by the grace of God. Nothing. Else. You get me in a group at work sometimes, and I'm trying to like step over people's toes, and then I get home and I'm like, I didn't say nothing right. You 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 know what what's the difference between what we believe in other people? We believe in grace. 
grace and grace alone. Grace plus nothing. Salvation by the unmerited favor of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. I'm not going to harp on this, but this has to be touched. Through faith. What does that mean? Because there's people who will take that and say what that means is whenever you put your faith in Christ, that's how you're saved. Well, guess what the what they're excluding and what they're omitting is the rest of that verse. And that not of yourselves. There's a reason He put that there. So people wouldn't think that it's of themselves. I'm going to tell you, if you're putting your trust in Christ is what saves you to heaven, then that is of yourselves. I'm going to tell you, that faith is not of yourselves. Then, brother, what is the faith? I'll give you three sound options, okay? I got my leanings. I kind of think it's all three, to be honest with you. But number one is, over in Romans chapter 3, verse 25, it tells us that we are saved by God putting His faith in the offering of Jesus Christ. The propitiation. The covering of Jesus Christ. That that is how the Old Testament saints... Don't you believe that whenever Moses breathed his last breath, that his soul and his spirit went back to God who gave it in heaven? But let me tell you something. Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. How did Moses? How was Moses able to be there? Because the Lord looked at what the, uh, Jesus Christ was going to do on the cross, trusting like it had already been done. And I'm going to tell you. And Moses went to heaven on spiritual credit, if you will, <laughs> on blood bought credit, if you will. And I'm going to tell you, every little child of God. Whenever the Lord says live and the Spirit of God enters your heart, you know what comes with it? Faith. You can say it's by the imparting of faith. That don't mean it's your faith. I'm talking about it's the faith you receive in regeneration. See, that's two. You can say it's by the faith of God. And that's amen. We are saved by God trusting in the work of Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm going to tell you, and you were saved vitally here. You are regenerated whenever the Lord puts His Spirit, which includes faith in you, in regeneration. But I'm going to tell you also, it tells us over, and you compare the Scriptures of Romans 6.23 to Ephesians 2.8, and it tells us over in Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. You know what wages means? It means what you earned. People want to talk about what they deserve. Wages is what you deserve. Everybody wants to tell me what they deserve. You deserve death, hell, and the grave. Dear sister. Well, anyway. (laughs) That thing limits me. (laughs) No, it's a... (laughs) Somebody was talking about what they deserved one time. They was going through some stuff. And somebody, and they was going through some stuff because of a blessing that had. And somebody else wanted that blessing. And the person said, I don't deserve this. And the other person that wanted that blessing says, You deserve hell. <laughs> Quit complaining. <laughs> but, um, 
Over in Romans six twenty three, it says, "For the wages of sin is death." What what you deserve, what you earned, is death. But the gift of God through Christ Jesus is eternal life. Hey, I might have messed that up a little bit. Let me let me go back. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you know what I believe that faith could be right there when it says through faith? Through Jesus Christ. But the gift of God is what? (laughs) Jesus Christ. The gift of God is eternal life through what? Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace through Jesus Christ. Amen? And that is not of yourself. And you know why it's not of yourselves? I love this. Brothers, it's like I said, the reason. And I got brethren who say, Brother, then you got to stop saying this. Because people don't know that you're a nurse. People don't know that you graduated valedictorian in your class. And, and they're going to think that you're uh, 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 promoting don't learn stuff. But I just want you to understand something. First time I took the ACT, I made a 13 in English and reading on the ACT. You had to have a 16 to be remedial junior college, city college level. I made a 13. Okay? Not good. Could not go to university. The reason I say that is because people tell me too much that the Bible is too hard to understand. People who scored 30s on the ACT, people who have masters and PhDs tell me that they got to go to a different perversion of the Bible uh, uh, for them to be able to understand it. And I want to tell you, the Lord blessed me to understand it whenever my English grade wasn't even good enough to go to a city college. You understand what I'm saying? What I love about the Bible is what Paul says, the simplicity which is in Christ. Look what it says here. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And then look what it says. Because, why is it not of ourselves? Lest any man should boast, right? Don't you know that we would boast? Yeah. Look, every preacher who's worth his salt and who really felt the call to preach and who's really been blessed by God, they know that it's not of themselves. But I'm going to tell you, every preacher who's a sinner has acted from time to time like it was of themselves. And we ain't the only sinners in the building, okay? <laughs> If you can sing good, which is a gift of God, there's been a time in your life where you were like, look at me. And then after you get through singing, you're like, you're welcome. Because we're sinners, we're prideful. I'm going to say, if it was of ourselves, we would tell everybody, it's of ourselves. Let me tell you, it's not of ourselves, and 99% of Christians say it's of ourselves. But why? Why is it not of works? I love this right here, Brother John. For we, because we are His work. For we are His workmanship. You know what a workmanship? 
is, is something that's been worked on. Let me give you a really quick analogy. And my wife's smiling at me because she's heard me make this analogy <laughs> a thousand times. Poor preacher wives, right? <laughs> These church pews are workmanships. And the reason I know that they're a workmanship, because what a workmanship means is something that is not in its nature anymore. It's been worked upon, right? If something is still in its, still in its original nature, it's not a workmanship. It hasn't been worked upon. But if it's been worked upon, it's a workmanship and it's not in its nature anymore. And I can look, I can look at these pews and I can tell that they are workmanships. You know why? Because uh, in the year 2021, after the Lord told me to leave Indiana, me and my wife had no idea where we were going to go serve the next. And, and we were just trusting the Lord. And we drove 70, literally 75,000 miles serving the Lord, trying to serve the Lord, trying to beg the Lord to show us guidance where we should go. And I'm going to tell you, I passed up many a tree line. I passed up many a forest. And you know what I've never seen? I tell you, I've seen forest of pecan trees. I've seen forest of uh, pine trees. I've seen forest of oak. I've seen mesquite trees. I ain't never seen a church pew tree. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, we've drove by cotton fields in Texas, cotton fields in Louisiana, cotton fields in Arkansas, cotton fields in Mississippi, cotton fields in Alabama, cotton fields in Georgia, cotton fields in Tennessee. You know what I ain't never seen? I ain't never seen whatever that gold stuff is on that pew. But it came from cotton. But a man worked with that cotton and made that cushion. A man took that tree out of that forest and made that church pew. I'm able to look at that church pew and say, that's not an original natural thing. Natural thing. That's not an original natural thing. It's been worked upon. I'm going to tell you, you know why we preach salt of depravity so hard? Because we want you to understand that by yourself, by your nature, without the intervention of God, you can do nothing good. You can't believe on Jesus. You can't love somebody. You can't be truly forbearing. You can't be truly joyful in the Lord. You can't be truly humble. You can't be meek. You can't be kind. You can't be temperate. I'm going to tell you, unless you've been born of the Spirit, you can't do those things because that's not your nature. And I want you to understand this morning, brothers and sisters, if you have, a, have an inch of forbearance in you, if you have a millimeter of love in you, if you have an ounce of joy in you, it's because you have been worked upon by the Holy Creator God Almighty and Jesus Christ lives in your heart. Amen. For you are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. How was this world created? It says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And you know what it also says? He says, let there be and it was. The same way that God created the heaven and the earth is the same way that He created you as a new creature. He said, live and you lived. Brothers and sisters, you ever notice with the calling of Lazarus, the Lord told the 
preachers, if you will, roll back the stone. But you know what the preachers couldn't do? They couldn't give Lazarus life. I'm going to tell you, you can do all the preaching in the world, you ain't going to give somebody life. But the Lord said, come forth. So all he said was, come forth. And I'm just, this one of my hobby horses, I might offend somebody. I don't, I hope not. But whenever I, I just want people to understand what we say behind the pulpit is important. And just because you think it makes a good point about what you believe about the sovereignty of God, unless it's true, don't say it. I've heard people say, good thing he said Lazarus come forth or everybody in the grave would have came up. Do we believe in an accidental God? We believe in a purpose-driven God. If the Lord's purpose, I believe He raised Lazarus on purpose, don't you? I'm going to tell you, if He intended for Lazarus to come out of the grave and He would have just said come forth instead of Lazarus came forth, guess who would have came out of that grave? Lazarus. Brothers and sisters, don't 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 try to make a cute point and and hurt the sovereignty of God. God doesn't do things on accident. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained. Let me see if you catch the difference here, that we will walk in them. That we should. Let me tell you what. <laughs> Thank you, baby. I looked look at you there. I'm gonna. I, I was gonna say I should be. I should always honor my wife as the weaker vessel. Amen. But do I always do it? No. Last night I was talking about just telling you I'm a sinner. And telling things I'm tired of doing. And one of the things I said, I'm tired of being unfaithful to my wife. Afterwards, my wife said, you got to clarify that. <laughs> what I meant was, I'm not the husband that I should be. Okay? I didn't, I, I, I've never <laughs> committed adultery on my wife. I've never stepped outside of marital bounds. Okay? Marital bonds. Um, so I just got to get that across. <laughs> Thank you, sister. I appreciate the grace. But every child of God that has heard the gospel and been pricked in the heart, they should repent and be baptized. But do they always do it? No. I'm going to tell you, He's ordained us that there's some words we should walk in. I'm going to tell you, if you're here this morning and you love the Lord and you believe He died for you, you should be baptized. If there's something hindering you from being baptized, you need to quit doing that and repent and be baptized and join the Lord's church. That we should walk in them. Just want to say this a little bit. For we are His workmanship created. We are, we're just talking about the new creature over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It, it, it says, For if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. How do you know if you're in Christ? Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Go with me real quick over to Romans 8, and we'll bring our remarks to an end. I just want to hone in on this a little bit more. Let 
19th verse. For the earnest, an earnest expectation means hope. And I'm sure y'all know this. I'm sure Brother Jonathan has taught y'all this. Hope is not a wish. Now, in my everyday vernacular, sometimes I use the word hope as a wish. But my religious, biblical vernacular, and I, and I shouldn't confuse people. Okay? <laughs> but in my biblical vernacular, hope does not mean wish. Okay? Hope is an earnest expectation. I earnestly expect to be in heaven one day. And the reason it's a hope, because it's not reality yet. We're not there yet. But everything... <laughs> I'm going to tell you, as much as I can expect anything that hasn't occurred, I expect to be in heaven. For the earnest expectation of the creature, that's the new creature, that's the one that's created in Christ Jesus, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. What does that mean? I'm going to tell you, I, I hope, I, as much as I know anything, I know that, uh, that the Bosmans are children of God. As much as I know, but it hasn't been revealed yet. It hasn't been manifested yet. I want to tell you when the Lord comes back, brother, and and He gives that shout, and your body goes from being mortal to immortal. It's going to be manifested. It's going to be revealed. There's not going to be any hope. I'm going to be able. To, I knew it. <laughs> I seen food with me. I knew it. <laughs> That's the manifestation of the sons of God, and we can't wait for that. We're we're we're. we're we're desiring that. We're waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And then it says, For the creature, the born again child of God, for the creature was made subject to vanity. What does that mean? We were made subject to vanity. Brothers and sisters, don't you wish that whenever we were born again, that we quit sinning? Amen. Tell you, there's a false teaching going out that, that when it says... Uh, that the Lord predestinated us to be conformed to the image of His Son, that that means that every day you and I are just getting a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. You know, if that was the truth, don't you believe that King David was born again whenever he fought Goliath? Well, if he was getting a little bit better every day, every day, he wasn't an adulterer whenever he killed Goliath, was he? But later on, whenever he got old, he committed adultery. Brothers, that's not what that's talking about. Whenever it says that we are predestinated to be conformed to the image of God's Son, that's talking about we're predestinated to be like Jesus one day in heaven. I'm going to tell you, I worked in a dementia unit. I managed it. And I talked to people who their whole life loved the Lord, never said a cuss word, but then whenever their mind went, that's all they did was cuss. They were not in the image of Jesus Christ. They didn't get better here on this earth. We did. We get worse. We decay. Now we should be striving to be better. We should be striving to grow in grace. But I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, our end result here on this earth, if the Lord don't come back, is a pile of dust and bones. For the creature was made subject to vanity. We are not. Whenever we're born again, we are not made perfect, but our soul and spirit is. But we're still walking around with this old flesh. Like Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He doesn't say, O wretched man that I was. He says, O wretched man that I am. He said, I'm walking around with this old body of death. That's what it means. Brothers and sisters, we want to be better, but we're still subject to vanity. We're still subject to pride. We're still subject to sin. Aren't we? Okay. Make sure I'm talking to sinners here. 
For the creature was made subject to vanity. And I just wanted to get to this. Not willingly. People who talk about we're born again. This is talking about being born again. When we were made subject to vanity, it's talking about when we were born again. People that say we were born again by our own will. Look what it says. Not willingly. But by whose will? But by reason of Him who hath subjected the same in hope. Who has given us hope? God. Whose will were we born again by? Whose will made us a new creature? The same one who created the heaven and the earth. God Almighty. I'm going to tell you, it's not of Him that willeth, nor of Him that runneth, but it's of God that showeth mercy. Brothers and sisters, do you believe in the Lord? I'm going to tell you. Have you rejoiced in the preaching this morning? Have you rejoiced in the singing? It's because you're a new creature. It's because the worker has worked upon you. And I'm going to tell you, one day He's going to complete that work by coming home, by coming from heaven and taking us home. I love you and God bless you. Once again, appreciate the invitation. Appreciate the opportunity to come out and worship the Lord. Uh, always seems like so many times whenever I try to speak before God's people, I'm reminded of what uh, Cornelius told Peter whenever Peter came to him. He says, the Lord told us to call you. You came. And now we want to hear what God has told you to tell us. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we're preachers and that's what we are. You know, we sometimes things can just get routine and I don't want to say mundane, but we can forget how important it is. And we can do that as children of God. We can do that as church members. We can do that as disciples, as trying to serve the Lord. Let let us just not be in another afternoon service. Let us be in service to the Lord at this time, as if this is the last time we've ever tried to serve Him. If you've ever tried to pay attention... Please try to pay attention. If you've ever tried to pray for the preacher, please try to do it now. Because uh, I'm begging God right now to be with us. Uh, that this is not just words spoken, but the power of God come down from heaven and be amongst us. If you have your Bibles with you, you'd like to turn over to John chapter 13. Sometimes whenever I go places, uh, whether it be near or far, special appointments, special meetings, sometimes I'll know all week like if I'm supposed to preach three times all three sermons you know I mean unless the Lord changes sometimes I know I don't know and this has been one of those times I don't know until the service and I thought I was going to preach on something else this this afternoon and and, uh, it's what I want to preach on but the Lord's led me here and I'm not going to act like I've never preached on this subject this is one of my favorite subjects to preach on uh, for so many different reasons some of the experiences I've had in life. Um, I, I mean, i just let you know. Uh, what we're going to try to look at this afternoon is the subject of feet washing. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll say foot washing and people be like, oh, you only wash one foot? I'm like, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> don't, don't make me an offender for a word. You know, and then I found out there's a faction of people that they believe in foot washing and not feet washing. They believe in washing one foot. I'm like, we can split over anything. Okay? <laughs> Come on. Which one do you wash? <laughs> if it's just one, you'd wash the wrong one. You got to wash the other one. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, I remember 
whenever I first came to the church, first started going to the church, and I would hear these things I had never heard before, predestination, election, grace, and what and the true definition of grace, and, and I, I didn't agree with it because of what I had heard out in the world. I'd never really been, you know, exposed to religion, except I got a church house, uh, not a whole lot. My mom would take me from time to time at Primitive Baptist Church, uh, uh, and, and, and she did what she could. She worked on Sundays and uh, don't want to make it sound like she wasn't trying. She was. Her head of her household did not worship the Lord uh, in that manner. Uh, was not the same way as he is now. And I say all that to say I hadn't really been exposed to the truths that's found in the Prentice Baptist Church. And so... I started hearing these things that are just second nature to us now, and I was like, I don't agree with that. You know, I don't. I, you know, that's not fair, right? You know, how many times have you heard that? That's not fair, and it's not fair. But I, but I say it's not fair for a totally different reason. Because the just died for the unjust. That's not fair. None of us was deserving. A lot of folks, whenever they hear that the Lord chose some to heaven and left the others right where they are, they're like, Well, that's not fair. I'm going to tell you that. That's not fair. But it's not, I don't say it's not fair because some are left where they are. I'm saying it's not fair that we get to go to heaven. Amen. It's not fair that he loved Jacob. He, he shouldn't have loved Jacob. Okay. I, don't, I don't wonder how he hated Esau. I know why he hated Esau. I'm going to tell you, amazing grace is the reason that he loved Jacob. And so I started to see in some of the truths, but still there's this, all this fleshy stuff getting in the way of of getting rid of my law that I had built up in my head. And then I remember in November, the first feet washing service I ever witnessed. And, I, and I've been reading like, start off like 10 chapters a day, 20, then 30, then 40, then 50, just trying to eat as much word as I could. And I, had, I remember I had just read in John 13 about where the Lord washed His disciples' feet. The Lord of glory, brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. I want to... One of the best sermons I've ever heard preached was Adam Green, a 17 and a half minute sermon on scene of angels. Whenever it talks about God manifest in the flesh, you know, justified in the spirit, preached unto the Gentiles, all those things is talking about Jesus, right? But the and but then it says scene of angels. And the the, the, the whole point of the sermon was have you ever thought about the perspective of angels? Towards Jesus Christ. Because eternity past, if you'll let me use that, from AD to eternity past, all the angels knew about Jesus Christ, where they were worshiping him, worshiping him, bowing to him, and singing praises to him ever since they existed. Mm-hmm. And then they seen him incarnate as a little babe. This one that they that they recognized as their creator. This one that they had recognized as uh, 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 all-powerful is now robed in flesh as a little baby and is in subject to sinners. His mom and daddy. And probably being picked on by little kids. Can you imagine the perspective of angels there? And then one day, 33 years after his birth, they see this one that they've been praising 
for all eternity where the create where the creatures torture the creator on a hill that he created hung on a cross of wood that he spoke into existence and nails made of metal that he made possible to exist to be placed through his hands and through his feet and the very ones, the very beings that he created, sitting there mocking him and spitting on him and putting a crown of thorns upon his head. Can you imagine the, the perspective, the scene of the angels? They're sitting there like, why are you letting? Why are you allowing these, these dumb little beings treat you like this? You are God. You are King. You are Creator. What is going on? Can you imagine their perspective? <laughs> Whenever the King of Glory bowed down and washed the feet of disciples, of humans, of sinners who've been walking around in an agricultural society through dirt roads that didn't have road sweepers, if you understand what I'm saying. I'm going to tell you, whenever they washed feet, it meant something. <laughs> you know what? Whenever we have foot washing service, we make sure we wear our, our best socks. <laughs> you know, I know some sisters who go to the manicure shop, get their toes all looking all right. <laughs> I got ingrown toenails, so I always got to explain it to people why there's a V in the middle of my in the middle of my toenail. But you know what? It wasn't like that. This is impromptu. Mm-hmm. He just stepped in Calvin over four minutes ago. Now he's getting his feet washed by the Lord. I'm not trying to be crass or anything, but I'm trying to let you understand. And an angel is looking at the Lord. Going from an elevated position as he's rabbi, he's teacher, he's God. He's the Lord. And now he is bowing down, washing people's feet. And I remember, I remember watching that first foot washing service in the Prince Baptist Church. And you know what I said? I said this to myself. I remember it like it was yesterday. I said, I don't know. Yeah, if anybody watches this at home, they ain't going to see me at all. <laughs> this is where I like to hang out. At Irvinville, we got a rail right here. They're like, Brother Danny, you're going to fall. <laughs> Actually, I put it there to help me get up. I got knee problems, but it served for two purposes. But uh, nevertheless, I, nevertheless, I remember watching that. I was sitting in the back. I wasn't a member, so of course I couldn't partake. <sighs> Let me give you something for free, too. This ain't on communion, but let me give you this real quick. Because this is something hard for a pastor sometimes to preach, especially if people have asked them, you don't want to offend people. I'm not your pastor. I'm going back to Irwinville in the morning. <laughs> Close communion service. Why? 1 Corinthians 11 says, As often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. Okay? Whenever we eat the bread, we drink the wine, we do it in remembrance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I met a I met a I met a uh, Hindu one time. Uh, no, no, a Buddhist. And uh, I was actually doing a good deed for him and took take, took him home and some other stuff. I'm not. I'm just saying that's the situation we were in. 
and he was telling me, he told me he was a Buddhist and all this, and I, I said, well, well, what do you believe about Jesus? He said, oh, we believe he's a good man. I said, do you have, I said, as a Buddhist, do y'all make it a custom to call bold-faced liars good men? Because he said, we believe he's a good man, but he wasn't the son of God. I said, do y'all have a custom of calling bold-faced liars good men? And he said, what do you mean? I said, when Jesus Christ was on this earth, he said, I'm the son of God. Do you make it a habit of, of, of people taking on deity, of calling them good men? And he said, I never considered that before. I said, maybe you should. <laughs> maybe you should. But he believed in Jesus Christ. He believed that Jesus existed. He just believed he was a good man. Okay, are you going to partake of communion service with him? He believed he existed. He believed that there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth that walked this earth who did good things. Are you going to partake of communion service with him? No. Why not? Because he does not believe that he's your savior. He does not believe that whenever his body was broken and his blood was shed, I noticed one of y'all songs y'all crossed out, spilt, and put shed. I appreciate that, but uh. <laughs> You know, I mean, I know some people will be like, ah, but whatever. I like it. You know, it shows, shows your intent on what you've seen. But uh, I'm not trying to cause a chaos there. You know? uh, so, but we believe that the bread that we eat is a symbol of the unleavened, of the, it's unleavened bread, so it is a, a symbol of the sinless body of Jesus Christ. And we believe that the wine, not grape juice, but the wine that we drink is a symbol of the pure blood of Jesus Christ that purged us of every sin that we ever had. Amen? And we believe that that, that, that uh, unleavened bread represents the body that our sins were laid upon. Right? Don't we believe that? And we believe that that blood is what purged us of our sins. Whenever we think about, whenever we remember Jesus, we don't remember the same thing a Buddhist does. And let me tell you something. Somebody who does not believe in free grace... Whenever they eat of that bread and they drink of that wine, they don't remember the same thing about your Jesus as you do. Yeah. How can you commune with them? They don't believe that His body and His blood took away a single sin unless you let Him. Yeah. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm going to tell you there's a difference. Either He's a prophet or He's a Savior. A prophet tells you what to do to get right with God. I'm going to tell you, a Savior makes you right with God. If He didn't save anybody by His actions, He ain't the Savior. I'm going to tell you, I don't know why people get offended because we believe in close communion. I don't want to commune with people who don't believe like me. I don't want to go to church with people who don't believe like me. I'm I'm not going to go and hear a preacher preach about a Jesus who just couldn't get it done and then, and then is relying on you to get the rest of the job done. I'm not going to hear you blaspheme the name of my God. Yeah. Is that hard? I mean, I hope that's not too... I mean, that's just real. Brother says, this ain't a club. Right. This is the church of Jesus Christ. The truth wants to live with the saints. So that was the freebie. <laughs> That's the freebie. Let's go through this. I'll try to be as quick as possible. 
13th chapter. John chapter 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world. Oh, but I told myself, I'm sorry, I told myself, whenever I seen the feet washing service, I said, I don't know. I don't know about this election stuff. I don't know about this predestination. I don't know about this great stuff. But I'm going to find out if that's true or not. And as soon and if it's true, as soon as I realize that that's true, I'm going to join these folks so that the next time they do this, I'm going to do it. Because I'm going to tell you what, there's a lot of stuff that Jesus did that I just can't do. I can wash some feet. I can. And he said, if I did it, you ought to do it. And I wanted to do what my Jesus told me to do. It was special to me. It's what caused me to join the church. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. By the way, this is one of the best uh, graveyard uh, funeral texts you could ever use. Look what it says. He knew that he was going to depart out of this world to where? The Father. Any child of God who's ever left this life, you know where they're at right now? They're with the Father. Isn't that beautiful? Brother showed me that. I just didn't get that, okay? <laughs> Elder Adam Green. I've got so many nuggets from him. Having loved his own, shows he has a people, right? Having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now we're about to read about 14 verses here, and then we're going to try to preach a little bit. And, I, and you know what? I think this is one of those times, there's just sometimes you just bring the meat, and there's sometimes where God's people just hung in there with you, and, and, and you're probably getting a little tired, and you just walk over to the refrigerator, and instead of pulling something out of the refrigerator, you go to that cupboard up there and you pull out the apple pie. <laughs> you know? And then you might even go in the freezer and put a little ice cream on top of it. You know? This this might be one of those sermons. Not to say it's fluff, but we need some sweetness, don't we? I pray the Lord to add the sweetener to it. He I, I, I want you to pay attention here, and I'm going to emphasize what we need to do. Fourth verse. He rises from supper. Now you remember this. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth into poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel with he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou, sh but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. I like Peter. I really do. Peter said, Well, on that hand, wash my whole body. <laughs> Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He that is washed, and he is not saved to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you, are, and you are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, You are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was sat down again, 
He said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you. Now I'm going to reiterate this a couple times, but I want y'all to pay attention. The Lord rose up from supper and he laid aside his garment. And then he girded himself with another garment. And then he took that very same garment that he girded or robed himself with and he washed them with that. Then after he was finished washing them with the garment that he clothed himself with to do the washing with, he got rid of that garment, took his original garment back, and guess what he did? He sat down. Amen. Now we're not going to get there yet, but I hope you see where we're going. Do, do you kind of got your spiritual glasses on real quick? Then look what it says. Ye call me Master and Lord. 13th verse. And ye say well, for so I am. I love that. He says, you call me Lord Master. You call me Master and Lord. You do well because that's what I am. What he's saying is, I'm your Lord and Master and I just washed your feet. <laughs> what happens whenever a dignitary comes around? President or something. Everybody wants to give them the best. Everybody wants to serve them. I'm going to tell you the most dignitude of the dignitary came. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And He got down on His hands and feet and He washed. He washed their feet. He says, You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. I'm going to tell you, brothers, I've heard so many debate about what ought really means. And all i got to do is say this. Especially you older folks, where working really meant something, right? Well, I mean, working means something today, but I know some of y'all, whenever you was raised up, if you didn't work, you didn't eat. If you didn't go get the eggs, you weren't going to go get it. You weren't going to eat eggs, right? If you didn't go milk the cow, you weren't drinking milk. And you know, my grandma, if you didn't go get water from the well, there wasn't going to be water. I mean, it was real work. If your daddy told you you ought to do something, was there any debate in your mind whether you ought to do it or not? I, I, I'm like, why Why are you trying to act like he? Does, it, it does not please him for you to do what you ought to do? If you don't know, I think you ought to wash feet. Because <laughs> the Lord said it. And I think that means you should wash feet. You, ought, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his... I'm going to tell you, if you think you can be a part of the church of Jesus Christ and not wash feet, you're saying you are better than your Lord. That's what he just said. The servant is not greater than his Lord. And let me just give you some more free stuff, okay? <laughs> what does baptism represent? It represents the... Because you're standing up, right? And you go down in the water, and then you come back up. What does it represent? It represents the death, burial, and resurrection. The first time I ever shouted in church was at a baptism. 
I'm going to tell you, that brother went down in that water. Whenever he came up, something got a hold of me. And I went, woo! <laughs> you know what I seen for the first time in that service? I seen the resurrection. I'm going to tell you, baptism is a representation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But even though it's symbolic and it's a representation, we still do it. Amen? Amen. I want to tell you, the, 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 we do not believe that the bread is the physical body of Jesus Christ. We believe that it's symbolism of the, of the, of the uh, untainted, unblemished, perfect, spotless Lamb of God's body that our sins were laid upon. But nevertheless, we still eat it, right? We do not believe that the wine is the literal blood of Jesus Christ. But we believe it is a symbol, it is an emblem, it is a metaphor of the blood of Jesus Christ. But nevertheless, we still drink it. Right? If we understand that those things are symbols, and we still literally do them, if we say that feet washing is a symbol of redemption, and that feet washing is a symbol of servitude, we should still do it. And it should bring to remembrance of what it means. I'm going to tell you, if our Lord and Savior did it, we should do it too. He says this, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Brothers and sisters, I'll just tell you this too. This ain't just talking about splashing feet on water. I mean, splashing water on feet. This is talking about literally serving your brothers and sisters in Christ. It is. Using your gift. I'm going to tell you, there's church members that I've had that have different gifts than one another. One may be able to cook really good. One may be able to send really good cards. One may be able to, hey, cut my grass. One may be able to help me at the house. I mean, whatever it may be, not just because I'm a pastor, but because I'm your brother and sister in Christ. I'm not your sister, but you understand what I'm saying. And that's how we should be to one another. If we see somebody who needs to be served, if we see somebody whose feet needs to be washed, we need to do it. We don't need to keep our gifts to ourselves. I'm going to tell you, Brother John, they had an extra room in the house. They didn't until they moved one of their kids out. <laughs> that was still in the house. They just freed that room up for us. And me and my wife were able to dwell there for eight months until we were blessed to buy a house. That was their gift. And he shouldn't look at somebody else doing something for me and be like, oh, I didn't do that. You, you, you did your gift. I'm telling you, we should serve one another. And this is one of the things that this is a picture of. I'm going to tell you, if we're not serving one another... Whenever we bow down and wash one another's feet, literally, we're just splashing water, brothers and sisters. I'm going to tell you, sometimes serving, it doesn't have to be with giving stuff. It doesn't have to be with doing stuff. Just, I love you. I appreciate you. I need you. Just spend time with somebody. And I'm going to tell you, whenever somebody is going through a loss, you may not know, you may not know what to say. You ain't got to say nothing at all. Uh, those, those miserable comforters of Job's, did really good until they opened their mouths. I want to tell you, sometimes just show up. Just show up. And whenever people ask you questions about God and you don't know, it's okay to say, I don't know. When somebody says, why is this happening? It's okay for you to say, I don't know, but I'm praying with you. 
I'm praying. Let's pray that the Lord will give you peace that passes all understanding right now. And He'll give you patience to wait until it comes. Now, let's go back. Think about what happened here. The Lord rises up from supper. He lays aside his garment. I'm about to show you a symbol, a metaphor. The Lord, where did he come from? Came from heaven. I want you to understand, whenever he came from heaven, he didn't lay aside his deity, but he did lay aside something. You know what it was? It was his glory. God the Father tells Moses over in Exodus chapter 33, he says, no man can see my glory and live. Yeah, over in John chapter 17, God the Son prays to God the Father and says, Restore unto me the glory that I had with thee before the world was. I'm going to tell you, whenever Jesus, the Son of God, which is God, came down from heaven, He laid aside His glory. He laid aside that garment. And you know what He did? He girded Himself with another garment. I'm going to tell you, when the Lord Jesus Christ washed feet, He laid aside His garment and He girded Himself with a towel. Right? And then it says he washed those sinners' feet with the same thing that he girded himself with. When God, when Jesus Christ, God the Son, came down from heaven, he laid aside his glory, but he girded himself with flesh and blood. He says it like this in Hebrews chapter 10. He says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body has thou prepared me. I am the body. And you know what happened to his body? Our sins were laid upon his body and his blood purged us from every sin, stain, and guilt that we ever had. Hebrews chapter 1 and 3 says it like this. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down. Brothers and sisters, we had crawfish last Saturday. And you know what you got to do to eat crawfish? You got to purge them. You know why? Because they're nasty. They live in the dirt. They live in mud. If you don't, if you don't purge the crawfish, and I like to suck the juices out of the crawfish, if you do that and you don't purge them, you're going to get a mouth full of sand and grit and muck. You know how you purge a crawfish? You prepare a purging solution. And it's made of water and salt. The salt water causes them, I'll just put this very politely, <laughs> to get rid of all those impurities that I don't want to eat. You understand what I'm saying? They were once in them, but they ain't in them no more. Okay? And we purge probably a thousand crawfish last week. You know how many got away? Not a one. You know why? Because I have more power than they have. And you know what? I wanted them to be purged. And do you think I took that little crawfish up and said, hey buddy, I want to eat you. Do you accept this purging? No. You know why? Because I by myself 
I'm lying. John Mazel and Alec Cook help me. But we by ourselves purge them. The, what I'm trying to tell you, the thing that was being purged did not cooperate. We put them in the purging solution and they were fit for the table. And I'm going to tell you, the purging solution in this scenario is the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Lord purged us. He put us in His blood. And we came forward ready for the kingdom. So He girded Himself with flesh and blood. You know what it says? It says He washed them with the same thing that He girded Himself with. Brothers and sisters, we are washed as white as snow by the blood and body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And I want you to pay attention to this. You know what it says? It says, and after He washed them, He took back His... He, he laid aside that garment and He took back His original garment and He sat down. You know what happened to the Lord? When the Lord died on that cross and our sins were laid on His body and His blood that was shed purged us of our sins, He was laid down in that tomb. And you know what happened on the third day? He came up out of that tomb and guess where He went? Back to glory. And you know what He went and got? He went and got His glory back. He went and got His garment back. And you know what He's doing right now, Brother John? He's sitting down at the right hand of God. And let me ask you this. You, you good old Baptist here. When your daddy asked you to do something, and he expected it to be done. He came back in a couple hours. He seen you sitting down. What did that mean? It was done. The Lord Jesus Christ is sitting down at the right hand of God right now because the work of salvation is done. It's finished. You know what foot washing represents? It represents the redemption that Jesus Christ wrought to us by laying aside His glory, taking on flesh and blood, washing us with what He took on than taking back His glory and sitting down at the right hand of God. You know what the redemptive work of Jesus Christ represents? It represents that somebody who didn't have to serve, served anyway. Brothers and sisters, sometimes to have peace in the church of God, we got to come off of our lofty mountain, we got to come off of our being high-minded, and we got to humble ourselves to one another. You don't know how many times in my 20 years of trying to pastor God's people that I knew that I was right, but it ain't that big a deal. I want you to understand, I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm not talking about essentials. But I could care less what color those blinds are. You understand what I'm saying? I could care less whether we're going to have carpet or tile. I could care less, really, if I cooked a whole bunch of barbecue and they said, we don't like barbecue. I'm going to tell you what, you know what reigns supreme? You know the reason that the Lord died for you? is so that you could be in unity with Him in heaven. And sometimes for us to be in unity, sometimes for us to be in joy, we just got to humble ourselves and get down on our knees and say, Brother, I don't care. I'm going to tell you, let us be like Jesus. I love you and God bless you. Oh, and I'll just say this. Don't take advantage of other people's liberty. Don't expect them to be always the one humbling and you don't humble.
God bless you.